Hey, y'all. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be what? Glad in it. Comment down below if you finish your scripture with me. So my name is Shantavia, but you can call me Shay, and I am your host of Obedience Podcast. Here at Obedience Podcast, our mission is to simply obey. Obey is an acronym that stands for O, obeying God, B, believing in God's word, E, evolving through Christ Jesus, and Y, yielding to the Holy Spirit. So if you think you'll be interested in our content, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button down below. And if you're listening on any of our podcasting platforms, be sure to hit that follow button so you all are notified every single time we upload. But for all of my returning subscribers and listeners, welcome back and let's go ahead and jump into this episode. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 43 of Obedience Podcast. It's such an honor to have you here because you could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here with me, and that is such an honor. So before we even get deep into this episode, I have to invite my co-host in, Holy Spirit. So let's take a moment and bow our heads in prayer. Lord Jesus, Lord God, I am so thankful to be here another week filming the last parts of the Nativity story for our listeners. Thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus down in order to save all of our sins and give us eternal life. We pray that through this holiday season, we can really reflect on the joy of the holiday and the joy of having Jesus as our Savior. I pray that through this episode, the listeners, they learn something new. They learn something that they've never learned before or a new aspect on something that they've already known that they see it in a new light we pray for your eyes and your ears and your mind as we walk through the second part of this story but I also want to pray away any technical difficulties and I thank you so much for allowing me to get on this platform another day and also Lord through this episode I pray for less of me and more of you in Jesus name I pray amen all right so now that I've gotten that out the way Let's go ahead and jump straight into the episode. So I decided to be festive again this week since we are doing part two of the Nativity Story. If you have not checked out last week's episode, definitely go and check that out before tuning into this one because this is part two. You have to find out what happened in part one. It was such a great episode, such a good story. Definitely saw new things within that story that I've never seen before. Like I mentioned last week, I always love to visit the Nativity story around Christmas because I always gain something new each year that I read it. So I definitely encourage you guys to start doing that as well. And I am assisting you this year because we're going through it together. So definitely, if you haven't checked out part one, go and check it out. And we're going to get into part two today. And I am so, so excited. Okay. So now in part one, we learned about Elizabeth and Zachariah and then them getting pregnant with John the Baptist, that whole scenario. And then we were introduced to Mary and how she got is it artificially inseminated can can you consider it that but basically how she conceived Jesus we got into that story and so now in this story we're picking up to see what was going on in Mary's fiance's mind Joseph and then also we're going to go through the birth of Jesus and everything that happened afterwards so this episode is going to be so exciting it's going to be jam-packed so I cannot wait to get into it now I love the name of this episode I laugh every single time I read it but I feel like Holy Spirit sent it to me and if you know you know where this came from 
If you're watching on YouTube, comment in the comment section where the title of this episode came from. It's a movie. And if you're listening on any podcasting platforms, let me know in the Q&A section of the Spotify app where this quote came from, okay? So the name of this episode is I'm the Pappy. All right? <laughs> Remember, y'all, let me know where this came from, okay? Let me know what movie this came from. All right? So we're going to jump right into it, like I said. So, I'm the Pappy, part two of the Nativity story. So, in this part, we are going to start in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. So, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. We're going to jump around a little bit this episode. We're going to go to Matthew, then we're going to go back to Luke, because Matthew recorded some things that Luke didn't record, and the things that Matthew recorded were really important. So, definitely don't want to skip over that. All right. And also, before I get started, too, if you don't know, I do do a virtual live Bible study over on my YouTube channel every single Thursday. And the way that we're going through this story is the exact same way that I do Seek Bible Study. So if you like the way that this episode is taught, definitely go and check out Seek Bible Study. Remember, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. All right. So let's get into this story, y'all. I got all my introductions out of the way. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Okay. So starting at verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. So let's stop right there, okay? I want to go back to verse 19. So her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Now, this right here tells us about Joseph's character up and down. I talked about this in the last episode. During this time, when people got married, they were expected to be virgins. And if you were not a virgin, you were considered just to either be a prostitute or never to get married again. People did not want to marry people who were not virgins. And so the Bible does not tell us the specifics of what Mary told Joseph, but I'm pretty sure she was just like, hey, uh, you know, this angel Gabriel, he came to me and he was telling me all this stuff. So now I'm pregnant. Deal with it. Because, you know, Mary was super obedient. Okay. She already knew the pitfalls that would come into play with her being pregnant, but she knew her assignment and she was okay with it. Joseph had just had to get on board. Okay. So Joseph probably thought this lady was crazy, okay? Like I said in the last episode, I would have thought she was crazy. Holy Spirit did what now? Huh? That's not how biology works, okay? But y'all know God, God created biology, okay? He can step above that, and that's exactly what he did. So Joseph, being a righteous man, he knew that it wasn't right to marry this virgin, and he knew that he had options to get out of it. So his two options were to divorce the person quietly or divorce the woman quietly. And the second option was to have her stoned to death for not being a virgin. Now that is found in Deuteronomy 22, 23 through 24. Actually, I want to read that really quickly. If there is a young woman who is a virgin engaged to a man and another man encounters her in the city and sleeps with her, take the two of them out to the gate of the city and stone them to death. The young woman, because she did not cry out in the city, and the man, because he has violated his neighbor's fiance. You must purge the evil from you. But Joseph didn't want to disgrace Mary publicly. 
So he wanted to divorce her secretly and not just let everybody know. It's kind of like, listen, I know that we matched up. You got this thing going on. I don't want you to be disgraced because I respect you as a woman. I know what you just told me. So we're just going to go our separate ways. We're not going to make a big fuss about it because I do not want to get you killed, okay? So that lets us know the type of man that Joseph was. Joseph didn't initially believe her, and he thought, okay, she either, you know, was already by someone or she went out and slept with someone else. You know, this is not the wife that I want. He was still not going to cause a ruckus and, and try to ruin her life or do the get back thing that a lot of people like to do. So Joseph decided that he was going to divorce her secretly. And then going back to the scripture in verse 20, it says, But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So let's stop right there. So right here, we get a little bit more information of who Joseph is. So Joseph is the son of David. So he is a descendant of David, which is a big deal, okay? Now, Joseph was not going to be the biological father of Jesus, but he was going to be in a stepfather role. So I feel like God was very intricate in choosing someone that was a descendant of David and not just someone else from one of the other 11 tribes of Israel. So we have a little background information on where Joseph comes from. And then another thing that we see here is that God sends another angel. We have angels all throughout the nativity story. And so God was nice enough to send the angel to Joseph and tell him everything that he needed. But the thing that I circled in my notes was in a dream. And we are going to see this reoccurring theme where angels come to Joseph in a dream. And I thought this was so similar to Joseph the dreamer. If we go all the way back to the Old Testament, Joseph the dreamer was a very important part of the history of the Israelites. Joseph is the one who was like the favorite son of Jacob and his brothers turned their back on him, sold him over to the Egyptians. He was in slavery for years and God always spoke to him in dreams and they call him Joseph the dreamer. And he saved everybody because God warned him about this horrific famine that was coming to the land. Joseph told everybody and he was saved and that like put him up a lot of notches in the respect part of everything. I did an entire like makeup and ministry on Joseph the Dreamer, so definitely go and check that series out. It was really good. If you are a listener on the podcast, it's over on my YouTube channel. I'll include it in the show notes below. But going back to scripture, if we go back to verse 21, we see that God literally told Joseph everything that he needed to know through this angel. So not only did he tell Joseph that Mary was pregnant with a child that was conceived by the Holy Spirit, he also told Joseph she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And in these scriptures right here, we see where God was giving his authority over to Joseph. God was giving him that confirmation of this is your son. He said, and you are to name him Jesus. He was allowing Joseph to be the stepfather that he needed to be, the full father, basically. Like, hey, you're not biological, but you're this kid's daddy, okay? I'm the pappy, like we call this episode. 
And that was just God telling, listen, this is the role I need you to play. I give you full authority in this role. Just remember to work through me. I'll tell you everything you need to do to protect this child. He is your son, okay? He is going to be your earthly son. And I want you to treat him like that. And so God gave him the authority to name the child. Now, going back to the scripture and skipping to verse 24, we'll see that when Joseph woke up from his dream, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son and named him Jesus. Okay, do we see something in common with Mary and Joseph? (laughs) And this is not in my notes. Thank you, Lord. God made sure that these people were equally yoked. So they pretty much had the same standards without even like communicating with people. So this angel came to Mary in this vision and this angel told Mary like all this stuff that was about to happen. And Mary moved in immediate obedience. She was like, let it be done to me. She didn't care about the implications that it would have on her. She just wanted to do the Lord's will. And then we see Joseph, as soon as he wakes up from this dream, that he had of this angel from God, he moves in quick obedience. The scripture says he did as the Lord angel commanded him and he married her. Both of them moved in obedience to the will of God. And that is one of the importances of being equally yoked when it comes to relationships. Now, if y'all don't know, I'm doing vlogmas. And I know in one of the vlogs, I talked about how, you know, I was in a season of loneliness, but I will never fold, okay, because I know that what God has for me is worth so much more than the people who may be in my DMs or my exes because I already see the downfalls in those people. I already know we're not equally yoked, and I know the importance of being equally yoked in a relationship or even a marriage because I see people on a daily basis who are not equally yoked. Now, I'm not coming for anybody that I know. (laughs) I'm not doing that. But you see it all the time. You can see it when you go out in the grocery store. You can see it on social media. You can see it on YouTube. You can tell when people are unequally yoked and the consequences that it has in their life. I just thank God that I am in a situation where I wasn't quick in my young life to go ahead and get married and get stuck in something that would cause me to be in an unequally yoked marriage. I'd rather be in an equally yoked marriage so that person can be my partner through life, my life partner. I don't want just somebody who is legally signed as being my husband. I want a life partner who's going to help me through life. I want someone who could be sitting right here on the side of me, like checking, making sure, okay, your time is good, your uh, sound levels, they sound good. Oh, you may need to take that picture again. Oh, did you remember to post this? Like, that's the kind of person I want. And I want to be that person for them as well. So I say all that to say, I know in the past I've talked about, you know, being lonely, but I want y'all to know that I will not fold because I know the importance of what I'm waiting for. And another thing besides being equally yoked with Mary that I realized from these scriptures is that Joseph allowed God to order his steps. A lot of the times we'll, we'll get these visions and the visions don't always come from God. I'm not even going to sit here and act like they always come from him because they don't. Sometimes you just see something and then you get this idea and you just run with it. And God was just like, child, you just saw something. Okay. (laughs) But as you can see, Joseph took direct orders from God and he allowed God to order his step. 
Joseph did one of my favorite things in the world, which is yield to God. It's something that I try to do in my life on a consistent basis. Just recently, a thought came in my mind, but I'm just like, okay, all thoughts can't be trusted. All feelings can't be trusted. So let me take this to God in prayer before I just move outside of the will of God or move without allowing God to lead me in the area. One thing about it is if you yield to God and allow him to order your steps and tell you the ways to go, he's going to be there with you every single step of the way. That's one of the good things about walking in the will of God because he will guide you and lead you. And he already knows what's coming up ahead because that's what he wanted you to do. When you step outside of the will of God, he's just like, oh, wait, 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 wait. That's not what I told you to do. And he's still going to be there to protect you, but you're going to have to go through some stuff that you have to go through. Whereas if you're in the will will of God and yielding to him, you're going to skip some stuff. And as we keep going in the story, we'll see where the benefits come in Joseph listening to God throughout this process. So let's go ahead and skip to Luke chapter 2 and get the actual story of the birth of Jesus. Because in Matthew, it just says, and he named him Jesus. Matthew didn't get into the details of the birth. But Luke, the physician, he gets into the story of the birth of Jesus. So let's turn there. So starting at Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Q was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Now let's stop there. Verse 1, where it says that the whole empire had to be registered, that just means that they were doing a census. And so in order to do the census, everybody had to go to their own town in order to be registered for the census. Now, this registration or this census wasn't just an idea that Caesar had. God was very intentional in making sure Caesar needed to have a registration because he needed something to happen. And if we keep reading, we'll see exactly what God needed to happen. So verse four tells us, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David. So, they were in Nazareth at the time. That's where Joseph and Mary resided. And we already learned from Matthew that Joseph was a descendant of David. And so, he was actually from the city of David, which they call Bethlehem. So, in order to get registered or to be accounted for in the census, Joseph had to go back home. The reason. Joseph needed to go back home from God's point of view. It's because he wanted Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. Okay. It was not by happenstance that this census just happened. Okay. And let me tell y'all something. The journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, according to my Bible, was a 90 mile journey. And these people were not in cars. They could not hop on the airplane. This was a long journey. And Mary was very, very pregnant. <laughs> Mary had to be like nine months at this time. And here he has to take his nine-month pregnant wife all the way to Bethlehem because of what Caesar is doing. Now, a lot of y'all probably said, ooh, 
Yeah, that is annoying. Because I would have been annoyed. I would have definitely been annoyed. But my Bible brought something to my attention. We can look at it like this. This is what Joseph was saying. Okay, God, you just told me to go ahead and marry this woman who's pregnant already. So now people are looking at me crazy. They're also looking at her crazy. So listen, I'm, I'm being obedient to what you said. So why in the world do you have me and my pregnant wife on this journey, 90-mile journey? This is tough. This is difficult. Like, I'm already moving in obedience, God. You should make things a little bit easier for me, right? <laughs> so this 90-mile journey, it was discomforting. And it happened right after the obedience that Joseph and Mary displayed. And oftentimes when we make moves in obedience, we'll be placed in an area of discomfort. Discomfort will come our way. And we're looking at God like, but I'm being obedient. Why isn't this coming easy? And let me tell y'all something. When we are in the will of God, comfort is not a guarantee. <laughs> Most of the time when we are in the will of God, discomfort is a lifestyle in the will of God. Okay? That's a, that's a word. Discomfort is a lifestyle in the will of God. Because he's not going to ever just leave you in this comfort state. He always wants you growing. He always wants you leaning into him more and more. So when you get into this, this, this obedience, when you walk into the obedience and you meet something that's discomforting, be proud of it because God is allowing you to grow in that. And I want to read an excerpt out of my Bible. Sometimes we can think I'm being obedient to God, so why aren't things going better? We face discomfort or inconvenience and immediately think either that we have misread God's will or that God has made a mistake. But watch this quiet couple, but watch this quiet couple as they head toward Bethlehem. God did not soften Joseph's bumpy road, but strengthen him. God did not provide a luxurious end for Joseph and Mary, but brought him, but brought his son into the world and humble surroundings. When we do God's will, we are not guaranteed comfortable lives. However, we are promised that even our discomfort and inconvenience have meaning in God's plan. He will guide you and provide all you need. Like Joseph, live each day by faith, trusting that God is in charge. Isn't that a good word? And that really spoke to me in this in this moment of my life because it's like the last past couple of weeks, I've just been going through it. If it's not emotionally, it's health-wise. Like right before I recorded this episode, I had to take a breathing treatment because my breathing has been off. As I'm talking to y'all right now, my ears are stopped up and I'm just like, well, Lord, I just went through this whole allergy testing like, why am I feeling like this again? Like, when am I going to get over this, God? And then if I'm not dealing with something uh, physically wise, then you go back to the emotional wise. Like, Lord, why am I so sad? Nothing's going on. Why am I so sad? In the discomfort, we have to remember that God is still with us. He's going to make that discomfort easy to deal with. He's going to give you that peace. And in this too, in the story, we see that in this discomfort, they were headed to Bethlehem where our Prince of Peace was going to be born. So let's get reading so we can get into the birth of Jesus, okay? In verse 6, we see that while they were there, the time came for her, which is Mary, to give birth. 
Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest rooms available for them. Okay, so I'm sure everybody listening to this, they have been to a hotel before in their lives. And so what happened is Mary and Joseph, they're on this road, and they get to Bethlehem, and then boom, her water breaks. And they're trying to like, okay, let me go to this inn to see if we can get a room. But we have to remember the census is going on. Everybody is home. The inn is full. And so what Joseph and Mary do, they go into like this born thing, like outside of the inn, and she gives birth to him there. So this wasn't like some five-star hotel. or This even wasn't even a hospital like us. Like we expect to be in a hospital. If we're not going to be in a hospital, we expect to be in a controlled environment. So like either giving birth at home, being a bathtub. Like we expect to be somewhere first class according to our desires, okay? Everybody's first class is different. But this didn't happen for Mary and Joseph. So she had to just give birth what she could. And we always hear about Jesus was laid in a manger. Do you really know what a manger is? I'm going to put a manger up on the screen. And for everybody that is listening to the podcast, I'm going to link the picture of this manger. Mangers are literally used to feed animals. They were not designed for babies to rest in. Anybody that's had a baby out there, you know, normally you get your little bassinet. Now they have these little, like, uh, what do they call it? The little round things that the baby's sleeping in. I think they're so cute. Or a crib. But people aren't just laying their babies in mangers, okay? That actually makes me think about the story that my grandma always tells. She had my uncle and my aunt, like, right behind each other. And she's like, at the time, my granddaddy and her, they they were not well off. You know, they were just surviving. And to accommodate for two babies, she laid them both in dresser drawers. That was their crib. And years later, the surroundings of my grandma looks completely different. And that is what was happening with Mary and Joseph. Like, when Jesus was born, he was born in a dark, dingy, and dirty environment. But years later, we see what he brought us. We see the difference that he made in our lives and how he started out was not his reputation, was not what people knew him by. So going back to the scripture, Jesus has been born right now, and we are moving on to people finding out that Jesus has been born. So in verse 8, it says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Now, I want to stop right there because I think it's very, very intentional that God told shepherds first that the Messiah was here. God chose to go to shepherds first. And you know that Jesus is called the shepherd over our lives because he leads all of us little sheep. Okay. Verse nine tells us the angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I would have been terrified, too. Can't even talk about them. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Let's back it up. Let's back it up. Verse 10. I proclaim to you the good news of great joy that will be for all people. All people. The good news, the great joy, is for everybody. Blue, black, brown, white, purple, gray. It's for everyone. Everyone can receive the good news of Jesus Christ. And also, what God spoke through these angels, he was very specific. He didn't give them Morse code. He said, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. He was straightforward, okay? Your Messiah is here. We've been, we've been talking about him all, this, all these years. He's finally here. And then the angel goes on in, in verse 12 and says, this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. So not only was God straightforward with the shepherds. Listen, a Savior is born. He is the Messiah. He is born in the city of David. He goes on to provide a sign for them. And I think this is so profound because this is actually something that I am waiting on from God. Most of the time, God will tell us to do something or tell us something, and then he'll provide a sign for us of reassurance. And we just have to be patient for that sign because the sign I'm waiting on right now, I, I, I still haven't received that sign, but I'm, I'm, t- I'm making sure to continue to tell myself, well, Shay, it's not always this miraculous sign, okay? He can whisper little things to you. And just to give y'all a quick little funny story, the night before I had prayed over this thing that I'm thinking about, and I was like, you know, Lord, I give it to you. If that's what you want me to do, show me that's what you want me to do. Kind of like I try to do everything in my life. I was yielding completely to him. So before I went to sleep that night, I set my laptop, my work laptop, on top of my Bibles just so it could be there when I woke up in the morning. Because y'all know I keep my Bibles on my bed. I know it's a bad habit. So when I woke up in the morning, I got ready to clock in for work. I'm like, where's my laptop? I'm like, I know I said it right here. Like, where's my laptop? And I was just like, oh, Lord, the laptop is probably on the floor because I keep my uh, Bibles on the edge of my bed and I just set my laptop on top. So I'm like, it probably just like slid off and hit the floor. And I'm like, Lord, please don't let this laptop be broken. Thank God it wasn't broken. But I thought I got it up and I turned it on and realized it wasn't broken. I went and talked to my mom. I was like, I feel like the Lord just gave me a sign. He just told me, let it go. (laughs) He told my work laptop, get thee behind me, Satan. But that wasn't necessarily a sign from the Lord. That is just an example of how sometimes we just always think that the signs from God are going to be miraculous. And they aren't always miraculous. Sometimes they're very subtle. You just have to keep your eyes and ears out for it. Don't always expect something miraculous to happen, okay? But going back to scripture, God gave the shepherds very specific, very specific image of how they would find the Savior. And then 
after he told them that, the angels, they start singing this song that so many of us have heard before. Now, I remember the first time that I read this in my Life Application Study Bible, I realized that this song actually came from scripture. Like, I heard this song so much before. And let me give y'all the name of it. The song is called Gloria. Y'all know that song? Gloria. Okay. Actually, let me insert some audio of my little cousin's choir singing it. Because I know they're going to sound a little better than me. Enjoy. That song that you guys just heard is from this scripture. It's the Latin version of this scripture. And I was just like, oh my gosh. No wonder I love that song so much. It's literally from scripture. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Going back to scripture, verse 15. When the angels left and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they didn't waste any time to see what God told them. They didn't hesitate. Are you hesitating on something that God told you to, to go see or go do? Don't hesitate. Don't waste time. So they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. So as soon as they headed to where God told them to go, they found exactly what God told them. Now, going back to the question I just asked you, has God gave you specific instructions on going somewhere and you just, you just aren't doing it? You haven't gone. God is telling you to go somewhere so you can see a connection to something that he's told you already. So you can see a connection to your answer prayer. Maybe it's as simple as, hey, go to grandma's house. And at your grandma's house, she gives you some money. Or, hey, go to church. Go to church, hear this amazing sermon that you needed, that your pastor is giving you. Do not hesitate to go towards what God told you to go towards because it's connected to something on the other end. So let's go back to Matthew, okay? We're going back to Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 1. And the heading of this says, Wise men visit the king. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, Wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star at his rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. So if you don't know, scribes are people who study the law. And so he pulled the exact people who would know what was going to happen when the Messiah was born. Because God did not keep it a secret that the Messiah was going to come. Many prophets always prophesize the birth and coming of Jesus Christ. And so they told him that he would be born in Bethlehem, Judea, because this is what was written by the prophet. 
And the prophet said, exactly. And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. I go to shepherd I was talking about earlier. Mm. So let's, let's go back up a little bit. So they come into Jerusalem after they see the star. They saw a star in the sky when Jesus was born. If you've ever seen the picture that is very famous on a lot of postcards that I see during Christmas, you have these three people on camels and you see, like, see the star. That is what they're representing. So they come into Jerusalem and they're just like, hey, y'all saw that star? We came to worship him. Where is he? So King Herod, he hears this. And King Herod is actually who the Romans assign as king of Jews. And so he is deeply distressed when he hears this because he already knows that he's about to lose his title. Let me read an excerpt for you out of my Bible. Herod the Great was quite disturbed when the Magi asked about a newborn king of the Jews because, one, Herod was not the rightful heir to the throne of David. Therefore, many Jews hated him. They already didn't respect him. So now you have these wise men coming in and they're like, hey, the king of Jews is really born. Oh, they really not going to respect him now. All right. Going back to the excerpt. Two, Herod was a ruthless villain because of his many enemies. He was suspicious that someone would try to overthrow him. And then three, Herod didn't want the Jews, a religious people, to unite around a religious figure. And then four, if these Magi were of Jewish descent, they would have welcomed a Jewish king who could swing the balance of power away from Rome. Herod was very deeply disturbed and distressed, and, and, and he had a right to be because everything that he was fearful of came to pass. Let me tell y'all something. This is not biblical, okay? This is just... What I'm thinking, Holy Spirit told Herod what was about to happen. Now, he didn't tell him everything. He just gave him that gut feeling like, ooh, this isn't good. Now, Holy Spirit tells you, you know, when you're like, I just felt it in my gut. Girl, that was Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit told you that you shouldn't do it. Now, I say that because Holy Spirit talks to me that way. When I'm about to do something I know I'm not supposed to do, Holy Spirit is just like, Mm-mm. He gives me that bad feeling. And that's what he gave Herod right here. And everything that Herod was concerned about came to pass. So just think about it. Whatever Holy Spirit is, is, is giving you or giving you a bad vibe about, giving you a bad taste in your mouth or bad pit of your stomach feeling, it's because whatever bad can happen in that situation is going to happen. And he's just trying to protect you from it. So don't be like Herod and try to fight it. Do the opposite. Listen to Holy Spirit. Going back to scripture, picking up at verse 7. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. Now, it says secretly in the scripture, but nothing is done in the dark. God already knew. He knew about this. So going to verse 8, he sent them, being the wise men, to Bethlehem. And said, go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I can go and worship him. All right. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but 
but remember that. So, picking up at verse 9. After him the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star that they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. That was Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit led them to Jesus. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. This was a baby. You have to remember, this was a baby. They fell to their knees and worshipped this baby. Now, to the plain eye, yes, they were worshipping a baby. (laughs) But to the spiritual eye, they were worshipping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When God shows up to you in your life or when Jesus gives you that peace in your life and shows up for you, do you worship him? Do you fall to your knees and worship him? We should be like the wise men. When Jesus shows up in our lives and he does something for us amazingly, we should fall down and worship him. Now, going back to scripture, and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I want to start right there because... I want to talk about the significance of the three gifts that the wise men gave. And it was an excerpt in my Bible. So let me pick it up and read it for you all. Oh, and before I read this, I just want y'all to know that this is tithing. The gifts that they gave, it was tied in offering. I'm just sitting right there. That's, that's a discussion for another day. But I just want to tell y'all like what the three things meant. The Magi gave these expensive gifts as a worthy acknowledgement for the future king. Bible students have seen in the gifts symbols of Jesus' identity and what he would accomplish. Gold was a gift for royalty. Frankincense was a gift for deity. And myrrh was a spice used to anoint a body for burial. These gifts may have provided the financial resources for the trip to Egypt and back. And then I want to read this second excerpt that talks about how, you know, this was considered tied an offering. The Magi brought gifts and worshiped Jesus for who he was. This is an essence of true worship, honoring God for who he is and being willing to give him what is valuable to you. That part where it says what is valuable to you, that's why I said it was tied an offering. Because when you tied and you give offering to the church, you're really thanking God for the resources that he gave you because God gave the Magi those three things and they were giving it back to God. All right. Worship God because he is the perfect, just, and almighty creator of the universe, worthy of the best you have to give. All right. So those are the background of the three things. So going back to scripture. So after they saw Jesus and gave him all of these gifts, they had a long day and they decided to go to sleep and take a nap. As they were resting, the Magi in verse 12, it tells us, being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Here we have another dream taking place and the Magi being obedient to that dream that they had. So God told them in a dream not to go back to Herod. And let me, I love this, okay? So in this story, we see that the wise men, they found Jesus. And after they found Jesus in verse 12, we see what God tells them not to go back to Herod, but to return to their own country, another route. So these men, they found Jesus. And then their life took another route after they found Jesus. Come on, come on. 
Isn't that what happens with us? When we find Jesus, our life takes another route. I remember when I found Jesus, my life took a totally different route. Before I found Jesus, like I found him, I wasn't doing this podcast. I wasn't even home most of the time. I was living out of a suitcase going from state to state. And I would have, well, I did run myself crazy. Well, I ran myself till I was sick. But in the process of me getting sick, I found Jesus. And he completely turned my life around. At the time, I was in a relationship. Finding Jesus, I realized that was not the relationship for me. So I don't have that anymore. Uh, I'm still at the same job, but I don't do the same thing. Because traveling was not the ideal thing for me. And I started this ministry. My entire life changed when I found Jesus. And if you find Jesus and accept him and live the life that he wants you to live, your life can change too. And some people may look at my life and just be like, well, it, it doesn't seem as, 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 as good as it was before. Because sometimes I have thoughts like that. I, sometimes I get into the pits where I'm just like, oh, I used to have so much fun and now I'm so bored. Um, but I have to realize like this is this this it's so much better. You know, you, you may get into those pits, but if you look at the highs and lows, you'll realize it is so much better. What I used to do before with all that traveling, it was so empty and I was never around my family. I would have never saw the little kids grow up. I would have never spent so much time that I spent now with my family. It's all worth it, okay? Always look at your highs and lows. There's always more highs than there is lows. All right, so let's get into the next part, the flight into Egypt. So this is after the wise men have found Jesus, and we're going back to Joseph's point of view. So in verse 13, it says, After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. Always surprised about this. We, we already knew that Herod was not being truthful. Okay, find the Savior so I can worship him. We already knew. Okay, and we see Herod's true colors. He wanted to search for the child so he could kill him. One thing I want to say before I keep reading about this scripture is we see more and more how God was instructing Joseph on how to take care of his family. God never left Joseph alone in his obedience. Joseph said, okay, God, I am going to adopt this child and I'm going to care for him as my own. And God said, okay, I'm going to help you care for him. And we see over and over again where God spoke to Joseph in dreams to help take care of Jesus. And so after this dream, they got up, well, Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and escaped to Egypt. Can you imagine how afraid Joseph must have been? Like, this man is out here trying to kill my son? What? And we see that, and you'll keep seeing, it's going to be a reoccurring theme, that Joseph did everything to make sure Jesus was safe. He literally treated Jesus as his own child. And I feel like that speaks a lot to adoption uh, in two areas. So we have one like earthly adoption. So when you say that you're going to adopt a child, you should care for them as your own. I know that there are a lot of foster parents out there who say they're going to foster children and they treat them horribly. And it just messes the kid up. It's like, why would you take on that if you're not going to treat the child like your own? 
it just gets into money and greed. That's a whole other conversation. And it just breaks my heart. But when you say that you're going to adopt someone, you need to treat them as your own. The second adoption is how God adopts us. So God has adopted all of us into his family. And just like Joseph treated Jesus throughout this time and made sure he was always protected and had everything that he needed, it's the same way that God does for us when he adopts us. So isn't that a, a great, like, a great thought, a great example? All right. So now we're going to go ahead and read further into scripture. Verse 16, it says, Then Herod, when he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave order to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. Who were two years old and under. And keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. So Mary and Joseph, according to the scripture here, they stayed in Bethlehem for about two years um, after having Jesus because we see that here is looking for boys who are two years and under. So Jesus was probably around two at this time. But literally, you know, Jesus was already gone because Joseph was obedient to God. And we see how God protected Joseph and Jesus and Mary in this time because he told them, go to Egypt. And if Joseph wouldn't have listened, Herod would have found Jesus and killed him. But, you know, that's not going to happen. But I want to tell you, look at what jealousy caused. Jealousy and rage caused. It caused for the execution, the murdering of so many innocent kids. All because of Herod's jealousy and rage. This is why we have to take care of our anger and we have to take care of our jealousy because it can cause us to do something that we should not do. And we don't want to be like Herod. And then another thing too, I wanted to read an excerpt. Herod was afraid that this newborn king would one day take his throne. He completely misunderstood the reason for Christ's coming. Jesus didn't want Herod's throne. He wanted to be the king of Herod's life. Jesus wanted to give Herod eternal life, not take away his present life. Today, people are often afraid that Jesus wants to take away things when in reality, he wants to give them real freedom, peace, and joy. Don't be afraid of what you might lose. Instead, give Jesus the throne of your life, and then you will gain everything of real value. And the question I got from that is, what are you afraid that God would take away from you? Now, I mentioned a little earlier how, you know, before I found Jesus, I had a completely different life. I remember when I first started that journey, like I was just thinking about all the things I had to give up. But in my mind, it was just it was worth it. But a lot of the times you have people who know of Jesus, who know God, but they don't want to give up the life that they live because they they hold value onto something that's so worthless. You have people who hold so tightly onto things of this world. Instead of the freedom that God truly provides you. One thing I can think of is like the people who like to go out and like get intoxicated like every single night. Like who like to go out clubbing and stuff every single night. Like they're finding their value in the worth in the clubs. They're finding their value in the worth in like sleeping around. And it's kind of like you're just a slave to that thing. Like you think that you're living a free life because you're not like bound by living these laws if you want to call them that um, I call it respecting God 
but you're not bound to doing all of that stuff that you just feel like it's gonna uh, make you like so like slave to life and it's actually the opposite way around like you're a slave to those things you're a slave to the sin that you're committing because you're letting it control your life like I promise you if you just turn your own life over to God it's not gonna be as as constricting as you think it's gonna be I don't look at not doing certain things as obeying laws. I look at it as, okay, I respect God. So therefore I'm not going to do this. I respect God. So therefore I'm not going to cuss this person out. (laughs) Something like that. So going back to scripture, we're going to pick up at verse 19. And this is where Jesus and his family returned back to Nazareth. Remember they were in Egypt because God told them to go there to escape Herod. So starting at verse 19, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. We have another dream, y'all, saying, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, because those who intended to kill the child are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and entered the land of Israel. But when he heard that Achilles was ruling over Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. Then he went and settled in a town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. So like I mentioned, God talked so much to Joseph in dreams. God helped Joseph so much with the with the fathering of this child. And God will help us so much with the with the maneuvering of our lives. If we just allow him to lead us and Joseph keeps showing us how to yield properly to God. And this is what we should do as well. And I wanted to point out where Jesus and his family settled down in. I think it was very, very specific of God to choose this area for Jesus to grow up in. So they settled in a town called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was near caravan trade routes. And so there was always people like going through Nazareth all the time. And so the people in Nazareth, they had contact with people from all over the world at the time. And I believe that this foreshadows to the people all over the world being saved through Christ. God wanted to make sure that Jesus had interactions with everybody from all over the world. So when he got older, he would understand his assignment and know that, hey, what I have is for everybody and not just for one particular group of people. It makes me think now to like, if you're raised, let's say like in New York somewhere, like those people, they are introduced to so many cultures and they take in so many cultures. Whereas we have people down here, let's say in Alabama, my hometown, for instance, we are introduced to a a lot of cultures. So a lot of the things that people in New York may be used to, I've probably never seen in my life growing up. And so it's a new thing to me, which is why I think it's so important to be cultured. That's one thing that I want to do with my kids. I want to introduce them to to other things in this world. Like, yes, soul food is delicious, but there's also this food called Thai. It's so good. Uh, we also have this, this food called sushi. It's so good. Uh, we also have this food called curry. It's so good. You know, I can go on and on about like other cultures food, but it's so important not to just be stuck in your little bubble because there's so much more to the world. And it's so easy to to forget and just to think God is just my God, but he is the God of everybody. And so why just stick to just 
your traditions or stick to hanging out with people that look like you. Why not branch out into the world? That's what God would do. That's what Jesus would do. So we should do that as well. Okay, and now we have reached the end of the nativity story. Now, just like I provided a key takeaway in part one, I also have a key takeaway in part two. So I believe that my key takeaway would have to be the importance of allowing God to lead your life. We see over and over again in these stories the hand that God had in protecting Jesus through Joseph. And it was so important for Joseph to be obedient. And also, I think a big thing, too, is the, like, unequally yoked part. Like, it is so important that you you yoke with somebody who's equal to you. And we see that in Mary and Joseph's story. So, like I said, that is all that I have for you guys today. I do have two questions, though. I want to know what your key takeaway was. And also, did you learn something new? If you did, you can comment it down below. If you did and you're watching on YouTube, you can comment down below in the comment section. And if you're watching on Spotify, you can leave that response in the Q&A section. And if you're listening anywhere else, you can send us a response to obediencepodcast at gmail.com. And also, if you happen to be watching right now and you're in the premiere, I see you. We see each other. And I thank you so much for tuning in to the the premiere on YouTube. I love y'all so much. I love talking to y'all. And if you're listening and you want to be a part of the YouTube premiere family, you can subscribe to my channel. The link is down below in the show notes. And once you are subscribed, you'll get notifications whenever I premiere a new episode. And we're always just in the chat, chatting to each other, asking each other how our day was. And so it's a good time. So I definitely encourage you to join the premiere family. And then regardless of where you are watching or listening, I do want you to share this episode with five of your friends. It's going to be so essential in getting the word out about yielding to God and allowing him to lead your life. So definitely share with five of your friends. So this is the last episode that the podcast will put out before Christmas. So I want to wish you all a merry, merry Christmas. And just remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. And you're already doing the right thing by taking time and spending time with him, hearing his word. So you're already on the right track. I pray that you get everything that you wanted. And I pray that the holiday and and the day is everything that you expected it to be. And I just pray that you aren't as stressed because I know the holidays can be a stressful time. So I just pray uh, peace over your life. Actually, let me take a moment and like pray for all of us for peace in this season. So, Lord God, we thank you for allowing us to get through this episode and see see things through a new lens. We pray that through this holiday season that you keep us protected in your realm of protection. We pray away any evil spirits or any people who may be in bad moods from allowing us to have a great holiday. We pray for safety as the viewers and listeners are going up and down the highways or maybe getting on airplanes. Um, and we just pray that everything goes goes as you plan for them to go during the holiday season, Lord. We pray that as we go and interact in this world, that people are nice to us, that They may be in a bad mood, but they're nice to us, and they don't even know why. And we pray that through us, people are introduced to you through this holiday season. And we pray for peace and prosperity, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so now that I've done that, I'm going to go ahead and get up out of here. There will be one more episode before the end of the year. So definitely stay on the lookout for that. But... That's all that I got for y'all. So I'm going to go ahead and go. I pray that this video found you blessed. And I pray that it left you even more blessed. But in the meantime, in between time, as always, 
be obedient, and I'll see y'all next week. Ciao! Doesn't matter if the snow is falling.